Dear God, as a nation, we now come to your throne of grace and we humble ourselves and admit our guilt. We repent from all our wicked ways of, ways adultery, of idolatry, witchcraft, witchcraft the, the occult, immorality, injustice and corruption, and all other sins that have violated your righteous laws. We turn away from all these and renounce it all in Jesus' name. Amen. We ask for your forgiveness, dear Father, and cleansing through the blood of Jesus. Amen. Therefore, we thank you that you will heal our land. We pray that you will send healing, restoration, revival, blessing and prosperity to Zambia. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 On behalf of the nation, I have now entered into a covenant, Lord, with the living God. And therefore, I want to make the following declaration. I declare today that I submit myself as president to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I likewise submit the government and the entire nation of Zambia to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. I further declare that Zambia is a Christian nation. I saw it fit to begin episode 6 with arguably the single greatest defining moment for our nation, which came when Dr. Frederick Titus Chiloba declared Zambia a Christian nation, entering our beloved country into a covenant with the Almighty God, forever changing the country's path. That we seek to be governed by righteous principles of God, a time of corruption and dishonesty had come to an end, he said. And hasn't God moved in our land? This monumental announcement followed FDJ's overwhelmingly convincing win against Dr. Kaunda. The hour has come, chanted Chiluba and his movement for multi-party democracy party. Filling the streets of Lusaka, people poured out in their numbers, supporting their new leader. A man of faith, a man of integrity, a man of lies, a man after God's own heart, or a man after Zambia's own wealth. With a bankrupt economy, Mr. Chiluba would have to be creative. He needed to rectify years of inadequate policy. By the time he came to power, the debt stood at $6.4 billion. Extraordinary levels of unemployment and inflation were rampant, standing at 100%. But the hour had come, he would say. In his approach, he would so eloquently articulate and capture the minds and imaginations of the Zambian people, inspiring them to think, inspiring them to dream of a better future for themselves and for their children. His flair was different. He walked the talk. Though undone by his stature of five feet, 
His oratory ability and unseen before thinking were surely six foot tall. But the five foot tall man with his six foot tall skill set was not about to have it easy. Early on, Chilwell recognized the need for radical economic reforms to revitalize the Zambian economy. His government implemented pro-free market-oriented policies, including a more prominent privatization of state-owned enterprises in an attempt to boost competition. However, you will be interested to note that the plans for privatization talks actually started during Dr. Kaunda's regime. During his address to the 5th Extraordinary National Council on the 28th of May 1990, he addressed that the command economy had indeed ran its course and that the UNIP decided to dissolve power and to privatize. By 1991, the time of our beloved six-foot thinker had come and he appointed a task force in charge of privatizing the industries and they began submitting lists of companies to be sold, some of which included Zambia Clay Industries, Consolidated Tire Services and the Quasi Manufacturing Company. In 1998, the most tabled privatized industry, the most discussed one, even up to date, well, it was privatized. The Zambia Consolidated Copper Mines was sold for $627 million. The mines sold in this deal included the KCM, Kansashi Copper Mine and the Luancha Copper Mine. The privatization of KCM, most notably of course, began in 1996 after the Chinua government approved the plan. At the time of the privatization, the mines were running on E, and I mean they were on E. The government were spending, turn up the volume, in excess of a million dollars, wait, chill, a million dollars a day to stop the mines from shutting down. Now sit down and think about the process and the time it took to finally privatize all these mines. And these mines I've just mentioned here are just a handful of the many numerous mines around the country. Do you realize the magnitude of the expense on the part of the government? I mean, this money could have been going to education services, to tertiary universities, to the health sector. But instead, it was keeping these mines afloat. So they had to, they didn't need to, they didn't want to. They had to let go of these mines because they were running at a extraordinary level of loss. And... Understandably, the privatization of the mines was claimed to hold the key to turning the economy around. And in the medium term, of course, the more the government reduced their burden, remember the mill, not the one you had for lunch, well, the $1 million spent a day, well, 
that money, like I said earlier, could now be diverted after the privatization, of course, into more relevant and more important sectors like the health sector, the education sector. Remember that in this time, Zambia was a really, really low income level country. So pouring resources into something that will multiply, something that will add value to its people was a much needed scheme and the Tiluba regime recognized the need for this. Conflicts on the war. Tiluba, apart from being this radical orator and having a six-foot-tall prowess, was a master diplomat. The Angolan Civil War that began in 1975 following its independence from Portugal was was a pickle, was a bit of a problem for Zambia and Tiluba recognized this. So he stepped in to negotiate and mediate between the parties that were involved, bringing them to an agreement and beginning the disarming of the parties, progressing towards reconciliation and the possible developmental progress towards sustainable growth. The Lusaka Protocol was signed on the 20th of November 1994. This deal allowed for the parties involved, especially the government, to focus on reform, to focus on reconciliation, to focus on sustainable growth and development. With all these moves, it's safe to say FTJ was a was a big stepper. Captain Solo. In 1997, the infamous Stephen Lungu attempted to overthrow the government of Zambia. He claimed to have received divine information to overthrow the country's head. And, you know, like arrest Chiloba. Oh my goodness. He and his comrades seized a state-owned radio station and they announced that they had managed to topple the government and they demanded FDJ step down and leave. Now get this, within three hours, guys, not days, three hours, order was restored with Solo and his comrades arrested by loyalist soldiers. Captain Solo and his comrade were arrested, tried, and sentenced to death. They were tried on, on treason charges, but later on they were pardoned. Now, I must make mention, and forgive me because this is funny, the coup attempt is seen as the most bizarre and amateurish in African history. It had no clear political agenda, no popular support, and frankly, no realistic chance of success. Perhaps that's why they called him Captain Solo, because he was Solo, captain of the Solo Brigadiers. Lesa Pamulu, Kaunda Panshi, the man of great influence, reduced to a figment of Zambian history, riddled in past failures and controversies, Dr. Kaunda's fame had 
hit an all-time low during FTJ's regime. A spectacular fall from grace portrayed in the never-ending court cases. Following 1997, the solo coup, Kaunda was arrested and charged with treason. He was accused of having orchestrated the coup attempt, but later on it was found that he had no part to play. Unfortunately, this didn't help his image at all. It, it tainted his image. A father of a nation reduced to a solo coup accomplice. All this was too much for the leader. The treason charges which were later dropped, coupled with the loss of his son Masuzio in 1999, added to the emotional storm he faced. The tide changed and people sympathized with him. Slowly, his image began to be rebuilt as this reliable, this forefather, this fighter who fought for our very freedom, who fought for the rights and the principles on which we built our country. This bolstered his position as the OG father of Zambia. A time of great sorrow. The biggest challenge to Chilobo's presidency came in 1993 when the plane carrying the elite Zambian national team crashed at the coast of Gabon. June 8th was a gloomy day for our country. 30 people lost their lives that day. Chilobo's skill as a leader would be Blessed put be to the name. ultimate test. There is we'll the Zambian people us. were shocked and heartbroken. Whatever we have, they needed a leader who could sympathize with them, but also lead them ahead in spite of the pain they felt. Chilova did just that. Capturing the hearts of Zambians, Chilova in his prayer showed his faithfulness to the Almighty God and at the same time encouraging the hundreds and hundreds of Zambians who mourned with him. This has been Econ with Phantom. Till next time.